0: Thank you.
1: The Kings Insider podcast on csncalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham.
0: Welcome to the CSN Kings Insider podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me as always, Mr. Aaron Bruski of hoop-ball.com. What's up, baby?
1: Not much, man. I'm enjoying the summertime. It's been good you know, it's very slow. We we take these, there's two to three weeks like this, maybe three to five weeks like this. And we just enjoy these weeks because before we know it next year, there'll be like maybe two weeks. And then three years from now, there'll be like one week off. Pretty soon we won't have any time off.
0: That's right. Well, I'm going on like day three million of no AC. So, you know, it's not quite as pleasant. Although I did go to Santa Cruz and avoid the heat. Uh, we had a soccer we had a soccer tournament this weekend, which is why the podcast is late. I'm sorry, people. I know some of you are freaking out, uh, but yeah, the podcast is a, a few days late, which is unusual. But uh, you know, it's kind of a quiet time. We we do have some stuff to go over, but uh, it's also kind of the the dog days of summer, a little bit laid back. Sometimes we got stuff to do, right, Aaron?
1: Yeah, you know, and if by waiting something else would have popped and given us more to talk about, that would have been a smart move.
0: Yeah, yeah, but nothing did pop. Uh, and, and that's, I, I think we're going to start there. We have this this giant elephant in the room, and the giant elephant in the room is not DeMarcus Cousins. It is Rudy Gay and his status with the Sacramento Kings. The Kings have been trying to shop him for, it, it sounds like about since the season ended and they haven't been able to consummate a deal that makes sense for everyone involved. And Rudy Gay's getting a little chippy with that. He spoke to our good friend, Blake Ellington of Sacktown Royalty last Monday at his basketball camp here in Rockland, California. And he was very clear to to Blake that, you know, he wants to know what's going on. He's confused, you know, the communication's horrible. And, and he really just kind of threw and his staff under the bus and then backed up over him like six or seven times. Um, What are your thoughts on that, though? Just the approach to go to the media and to have that conversation when you haven't officially asked for a trade, although there may have been a little bit of uh, wordplay there by Rudy Gay.
1: Yeah, I I was a little surprised that he made this particular move. But then knowing how Rudy talks and and how open he is at times – I think maybe he probably wants it back because uh, I don't think it's going to help him or make him look good. But it wasn't surprising to hear that it slipped out that he's frustrated and and some of the frustrations dating back to last season. And I thought it was interesting. One of the comments he says is not about coaching and almost as if that was maybe a dig at, you know, hey, this is all George Carl's fault it, and him saying, well, no, you know, there's some other stuff here. That, that wasn't all George Carl's fault, and I almost wonder if that was a shot across the ballot to Marcus Cousins. Um, and then Rajon Rondo, uh, with him and Rudy being so close, I thought it was interesting that he um, didn't necessarily single Rajon out. And I thought Rajon was the biggest problem for Rudy Gay on the court in terms of not getting the basketball, which I know Rudy cares about quite a bit.
0: Well, and so, he was factually inaccurate when he brought up Rajon as well, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. And so I think with Rudy, he just I don't know if he's evaluated his own role, you know, within last season's struggles. I mean, he didn't play hard towards the end of the year, and and I think he kind of threw it in. But that that set aside for a second, he's frustrated that the Kings basically came in with no real plan last year. And they tried to make a go of it with George Carl. And, yes, that's what you do when you sign sign a coach to a long-term contract. But they didn't tell George what he was allowed to do and not allowed to do. So George came in and he had his Kakamami offensive and defensive systems. They didn't work. He didn't adjust. He made bad coaching decisions. And nobody within the Kings went to him and said, hey, George, this has got to stop because we're going to get rid of you. And the reason why we didn't – or the reason why they said that we don't want to get rid of you – is because they were afraid of the blowback of firing another coach within like, say six months. And that was the position that they had put themselves in by getting rid of Michael Malone. So Rudy's frustrated with all of this and and correctly. So, I mean, they they come in and they tell the guys that George Carl's gone and then they come back and say, oh, well, maybe not. And that was some, the blowback from the minority owners as well as some folks in upper management that didn't want to pull the trigger on that. And, and they thought that George Carl was a pretty good scapegoat, you know, for the season's troubles. So that is why Rudy's frustrated. We all get that. Um, I should can he see have...
0: a little bit of the – he was frustrated with the sins of the past as well, though, which is something that I got out of that when I read it. I, it was like he really, really got burned when he he got talked into, talked into, which is a very polite way of saying, you know, the Kings let him play out his 19.1 million dollar final year of his previous contract. He it wasn't a real difficult, you know, talking to get him to play for that that f- so he was traded to the Kings in December. He still had, you know, 60 games left at at whatever his salary 16 plus 17 plus million. But the next year he had a player option at 19 million. He accepted that player option. He was talked into accepting the player option, which again, that wasn't a difficult sell. He was gonna chase that money because he wasn't gonna get that money anywhere else. And then they talked him into in November signing a three-year extension. And the three year extension, of course, we're seeing it play out. We're in we're entering year two of the three year extension. And then it has the last year as a player option again. But I think Rudy Gay really, really felt burned. All the way back then. Because he signed his extension and then just a couple of weeks later uh, Pete Alessandro and management and ownership and everyone you want to heap in, every everyone under the moon decided to fire Michael Malone and it just really burned him to the ground because he thought they were building something and then it was starting all over again and then starting all over three times in one season and all those people who did that are gone and now I think what Rudy did is he kind of he put the blame a little bit on Cousins. And it's not that he dislikes DeMarcus. I kind of know this story. He, he, it's not that he dislikes DeMarcus. He just doesn't think that they complement each other as players. And he would rather go somewhere where he can complement someone and someone else could come in and complement Cousins better, which, again, is like a 3-and-D wing, not a ball-dominant, uh, guy who pulls up and, and crushes all of the spacing on the floor for Cousins, who's trying to work the post. So it's a little bit of a different, you know, feel around the team because of all of this mess. But I think, again, just to sum it up, I think Rudy is really holding Vlade and the current management responsible for things that happened before they even got there. And whether that's fair or not, you know, that's that's his own deal. But it certainly I think it plays into the frustration.
1: Yeah, and it, it it's like a lot of different shades of gray here. Yes, he's friends with Demarcus, but yeah, he also he, he knows that DeMarcus did some stuff and has done stuff that is just indefensible. So he doesn't want to heap it all on George Carl. And then looking back at the past, like you said, all that stuff has happened and he's sitting there looking at this saying, Okay, what what about me? You know, what are you guys gonna do for me? I I got told XYZ, you guys blew it. Now I'm sitting here left holding the bag and the reality of the NBA trade marketplace right now is that it's, it's kind of soft because teams don't know what's happening with Russell Westbrook and teams don't know what's happening with Blake Griffin. You start to see the offers aren't great, you know, from one team to another and you get doc rivers going on Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast and say, we're not trading Blake Griffin. And I think that's because Danny Ainge probably offered him nothing and that's their way of saying, okay, there's no deal right now once the NBA market loosens up a little bit and deadlines drive decisions always in these big negotiations. So as we get closer to the season, I think you'll start to see movement on the Oklahoma city front and then that will trickle down into the rest of the market. Rudy has to wait now. And that's for him. That's not cool. You know, he doesn't like that. He's not getting to prepare for the season, you know, with the team, getting to know them, getting to know their system, getting to figure out how he fits in. Finding a so place he, to live, finding a place all that for stuff. him
0: and his wife and his two kids. I mean, that, there's a lot of stuff there. I, I totally
1: agree. Like the anxiety of the situation is building. And from Vlade's perspective, he's like, well, you know what, this is the way business goes. Like as a player, I didn't get that call from management and we don't do that as, as an industry. We don't, maybe it's smarter to do that. And, and there are teams that do do that. But what are you going to call and say to Rudy? Yes, Rudy, you're on the trade block. We're, we're not sure if you're a part of this team. You know, how does that help forward the situation? It Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. And certain general managers will go out there and be proactive like that. And others say, you know what? We're going to talk with you on these tough issues on a need to know basis. And that way it stays cleaner. And that's a stylistic issue. And you notice that Vlade then put a call in to Rudy to smooth things over. And and I don't know. I don't know how to grade that. I'm not on the phone listening to those calls and, and how that's going, because I personally would probably want to call Rudy up and say, hey, this is what we're doing. You know, sorry, tough luck. But, you know, we're going to do everything we can to put you in a good place. But can he even promise that he can't promise him that is going to do what's good for the Kings and it might not be what's good for Rudy. It might be another bad backwards move for Rudy, depending on how Rudy views it. And maybe he gets traded to Philly or, I don't know, Philly's an up and coming team or gets traded to, you know, some team like Brooklyn. I don't know. And I'm just throwing hypotheticals out there, of places he might not want to go because as a veteran of his age, he probably wants to play with a good team.
0: Well, I, I get all of that, but here's sort of the issue. Rudy Gay at, at again, we're going to play the semantics game all we want here, but Rudy Gay made it very clear to the Kings at his exit interview, which is the day after the season ends, that he wouldn't mind finding a new address. And the Kings told him at that time, we're going to do our best to find somewhere to to send you. And he said, thank you. And in the meantime, the Kings have done their best. They shopped him to Indiana. We know that. They've shopped him to a couple of other locations that aren't floating out there. But at the end of the day, they aren't going to give him away for nothing. And so it's not let's just make Rudy Gay happy because you brought up, again, the Blake Griffin-Russell Westbrook thing, and I always find it really interesting. In the NBA, draft picks are worth gold. But for some reason, there were so much more at the February trade deadline than they are today. So as opposed to trading for a player now and and one team taking a step back and getting a draft pick for next summer, everyone just waits and sees how crappy all the teams are and then it's like, okay, well, let's pick off that player. Let's pick off that player. He's going to be available, so let's go after that guy. And I get it to a certain extent. But if I'm the Sacramento Kings and someone's offering me a really nice draft pick right now, and, of course, the NBA, the draft picks can vary on whether they're going to be really nice or not. But if I'm hearing that right now, the Kings are willing to take – a young rotational player, and that doesn't mean a top five player on your team, but a young rotational player and a pick. They're willing to do that. And I, Rudy Gay has to be patient and let the process play out because this is an unprecedented free agency period. It's the craziest thing anyone's ever seen. I mean, I, I just watched the Portland trail, Trailblazers basically add what uh, Evan Turner and no, and nothing else, like, the rest of their team is the same exact team, and they've spent, like, $400 million or something. It, it's just the craziest time we've ever seen in the NBA, and you got to have to wait and see how it all plays out before you can start making a big move for an offensive-minded scorer that can help you, but, I mean, really, he could help a playoff team, but, again, the Kings have needs. They need a, a backup point guard or a starting point guard. So, I mean, we're just in this giant mess, and sometimes you have to be patient. Although patient doesn't feel good, you have to be patient. So I had no problems. I mean, I I spoke to, to Vlade, and you know he specifically told me, well, if Rudy's got a problem, he can call me. And to be honest with you, I agree with him. If you're the GM... You don't have to keep them in the loop the whole time because you know what? When you keep someone in the loop, what do you think happens? Rumors. Rumors. Keep going. Agents will play the agent game. Players will tell their friends. Our friends will start telling people, oh, I think Rudy's going to go to the Lakers or I think Rudy's going to go to Minnesota. Whatever it is, you have to keep it all in-house, and they were honest with them. We'll try to find you a spot to play. And, and until that point, until we can trade you, you're gonna have to sit there and and just you know deal with it. This is the reality of who you are as a basketball player, where we are as a franchise, where the market is for the NBA, what we need, what other teams need. you're stuck in a in a situation that may not be comfortable, and it may be until February that you're stuck here, but or maybe even next summer when you opt out and you got to do it then but no. I don't think anyone's done anything horribly wrong here from the King side.
1: Yeah, I hate dissecting this stuff because anybody that's listened to this podcast for a couple years now knows that we've covered it all ad nauseum and it's, all this stems back to the fateful decisions of X amount of years ago and that's really what it's all about. There's not a lot of new stuff to, to rehash, but it will get rehashed and that's probably something that you, know, you wish Vlade would do a tiny bit better is every time something like this hits, it's heap on the king's time heap on the king's time you know and and really to me i i I just go well yeah he's pissed off over the last three years who wouldn't be next topic (laughs) (laughs) but we can't we can't we got to explain it at least a little bit
0: yeah i mean i get rudy gay's frustration but there is a reality and the reality is hey look man number one you had a bad season Number two
1: – He's tough to move. It,
0: that's I, don't, the, eh, I don't think – well, I, he's I, tough I think so. to move, but he's I mean, tough to move for value is what he's tough to move for. And
1: that's kind of what actually – I'm glad you said it because I'm, uh, I'm of the mind whether you're the Kings or the, the team they're dealing with. Just get the deal done. So many trades don't happen because of posturing and hey, man, overvaluing your already, assets.
0: If they could already have made the deal, they would have. If they already had a deal that was a, a deal that made perfect sense for everyone, they would have already done it. I mean, again, if if somehow they can get Rudy Gay to the Phoenix Suns in exchange for Knight or Bledsoe, that deal's already been done. And yeah, Let's
1: go with a realistic deal.
0: Well, well, yeah, but you're talking about a team who has like six point guards. That's the only reason why and who owes those players multiple long, long-term deals. And they just have a boatload of point guards. So
1: I just think the valuation of Rudy K around the league is really low. And it's because he doesn't play defense and scoring is not valued as much as it was in the past by decision makers. So and the hard part the hard part with scoring is he's got to fit in with the existing scorers on said team. So people have to evaluate, do you guys are you like kinda like he would have been great in Memphis again? Because they didn't have a lot of perimeter scorers. And not that Rudy's a great perimeter guy, but like he would have fit in pretty well there with, you know, Mark and Zach locking down the interior and them needing a kind of a jack of all trades scorer on the perimeter opposite of Mike Conley. That would have made sense. But the list of teams that that makes sense on, it's pretty few. But in
0: a world where Chandler Parsons gets $25 million a year, Rudy Gay at 13.3 million, with the possibility that he may stick around for one more year at 14.3, is an
1: absolute
0: bargain. If you can I, find I, him the right spot with the right players, he's a very good ball player.
1: But it's not just it's it's you you have to pay him, but the Kings also want something in return. So how much can you get back is the question. So I think if the Kings are asking for a good young rotational player and a pick. I think it's going to depend on what that pick is and who the player is, obviously. But that's probably causing teams to say, you know what, we already have questions about his defense. We're already not sure if the fit is there offensively, and we don't want to give up both this and that in order to get this. So, but it's some, but it, to get a Rudy Gay, I think that you could come up with a deal that makes sense where the picks are lowered a little bit if the player's not, you know, premium, top shelf, young, uh, you know, a young guy that fits that mold then I think you can get it done. But it's just, to me it looks like it might be heading toward that area where like Rudy Gay's value will decrease every single second he's on the floor. Unless he doesn't.
0: Unless it unless like he
1: plays his, really well. I like his fit with this Kings team. I'm not gonna lie, and maybe he doesn't agree, you know, he, he doesn't like I I don't know this for sure, so I'm not gonna say this as it's a fact that he doesn't like you know, the fit with DeMarcus. I like his fit with DeMarcus. I like his fit on this team. I think this team needs scoring punch. So it's almost like a best case scenario for him. Um, But he's got to play defense. And I don't know if he's got the lateral quickness to play defense anymore. So even if he wants to, he might be against it. Now, if he is unhappy about his role or he's unhappy about something, maybe he doesn't play defense quite as well. So he's going to have to be happy about his role, come in and play hard, If assuming he's still with the team. And then we're going to have to see what his lateral quickness is like because he couldn't stop anybody last year, even when he wanted to.
0: I think the Kings believe that if it all plays out that he's still a Sacramento King, that he's going to come to camp and he's not going to cause problems. He He's not a problem guy, just so people know. He is so laid back. You know, he it's almost – he's almost too laid back, too smooth, and – And that's part of the issues that some people have with him. It's that, you know, they're not sold that he's 100% dedicated to being a star. You know, to being, like, his talent level and his production level are close to what they could be. But most people believe that he could have been, like, an all-star level player for most of his career. That he has that kind of talent. And yeah, so, he won't
1: cause it in the locker room, but if he comes right. out and he doesn't play hard defense, then that team will erode from the middle out. Well, like
0: no, he, I, if he doesn't play hard defense, then Omri Caspi and Matt Barnes eat, and Garrett Temple eat every minute at the small forward spot. And, well, and But and, then, his, right, values,
1: then he, his values goes to nil, Yeah, and yeah. they don't get it. That's why I'm a proponent of, in these situations, getting rid of the asset early – Versus waiting it out because you don't like the deal that you're getting, you got to be really careful with that stuff because if you wait and then it spirals out of control, now you're just talking about nothing. You got nothing in your hand and you know you're, you started the summer with Costa Kufos, Rudy Gay, Ben McElmore, all looking like pretty packageable deals and if you wait too long, you, know, you got to keep Costa now because you can't put the, the kid out there. And what's Ben Mclemore really? He's not the centerpiece of a trade. He's a nice throw-in. Yeah, what he, he his value is it. And you know what? I again,
0: I think it might come down to this: Aaron is Rudy Gay more valuable to the Kings as just than he is to anyone else right now. It's and, possible. And, and you can say the same thing about Ben Mclemore: is he more valuable to the Kings than he is to anyone else? Because if you're willing to take uh the former you know what was he in number seven pick the former you're a, another top 10 pick and just give him away I, i've heard his his value uh is a early second round pick that's his value like they could deal him tomorrow for an early second round pick
1: but those early second-round picks are actually quite valuable. oh um, well, yeah, but
0: I mean, but, you're taking but I get a 23-year-old kid who still has a ton of potential, and you're giving him away for a pick that really is is three years away from helping anyone. And you know, you're hoping that you've got something there, and so the kids really, he's more valuable to to I, them I was, than he is to anyone else.
1: Sorry to step all over you there. I. I really was hoping that something extra was cooking with Charlotte because I just thought that, you know, they had already rolled the dice on Jeremy lamb and gotten good results. You know, they were, they were thin at the wings. I thought that he could do really well there. And, um, I thought maybe there could be something cooking because of the, the draft day deal. Um, but that obviously didn't play out. You need a place that's got a need for wings and they, Rolling the dice on Ben and kind of almost convert the price, the pricing model, if you will, on Ben. And if you could get rid of him at the value of a late first-round pick, I think that would make sense for the Kings. I think that would make sense for the other team that's taking him on. Um, you're looking at a guy who's got all the tools. He's got a great stroke. It just hasn't come together. He's got confidence issues. He needs a change of scenery in the worst way. I, I'm that's that's where I think. He could be moved. But again, we're talking about now you're you're trying to center a deal around Ben McElmore. Nobody's getting excited over that. I don't know if teams are even talking to the Kings at that point. No, but he would
0: make sense to like...
1: But as a sweetener.
0: To Cleveland for their first-round pick next year. That would make sense to me.
1: Oh, yeah. And that's actually a place that's been interested in him in the past.
0: Yeah, I mean, their first-round pick is going to be one of the worst three picks in the draft. And so you're looking at... 28, 29, 30. I mean, if the Kings couldn't make that deal, I think they would. But But then I got
1: J.R. Smith right now, and that's the dominoes thing, is once they figure out the J.R. Smith thing, I think then they will figure out if they're interested in a Ben McLemore. And it's kind of interesting that they wouldn't make a move on Ben just so they're in a position of some leverage with J.R. Smith. But at the same time, I think they know that if they take on a Ben McLemore, it would probably upset J.R. Smith. And you've got him in a good place, so why rock the boat? Yeah, you know, yeah. You're know you going to end up overpaying J.R. Smith just to keep the band together. Just make sure that he's not upset with you that you got his successor if he viewed it that way.
0: Yeah, and uh, the reason I bring up the caps isn't because I, I just think he's a wonderful fit and he's going to go there and prosper. And It's because uh, Ben McLemore and LeBron James share the same agent. They're both Rich Paul guys. Is that what, is that what this guy – is that what it yeah. is? Yeah, yeah. They mm-hmm. they both have the same agent, and I think that he might be a guy if under the right circumstance uh, could blossom, especially at age twenty five. Well, and they have they
1: have needs. Like Iman Shumpert is not going to be able to average more than twenty five minutes a game for them, and he hasn't played in more than I want to say like sixty five games, and it's like many t- averaging it out. I think that's what he plays in every year. Yeah, sixty five games. He is uh, he is like the walking wounded at a young age. So you need young legs and he could come in and defend and, you know, LeBron will be able to get through to him and and teach him the right way. So that would be a smart pickup for Cleveland. Again, I think this is all dominoes. Like these teams got to figure out the bigger items first. And if the bigger item is Rudy gay, you, you have questions about how do you fit him in? So it might be the case that he's playing for the Kings on the, on opening night. And wouldn't that be fun?
0: Yeah, I think it would. And, and and if that happens, I think Garrett Temple becomes your backup point guard and your starter on opening night for the first couple of games, whatever it is going to be, that Darren Collison has brewing, which is coming up. I think that's I think it's August 8th when he goes in. Uh, yeah, we're coming up to that date when he has uh, – we'll find out what exactly is going on with him um, and how long the NBA – the NBA usually acts pretty quickly once something is determined, and I expect something to be determined – at that hearing, I expect a uh, some sort of either plea deal or, or something to go down that day, and, and then we'll move forward from there. So, uh, all right. So, so Aaron, I guess, I guess the question that we'll ask is: It fair to leave players in limbo? It, players like Ben Mclemore, Costa Rudy Gay, is that just part of the game, and they just have to deal with it, or? Is there another way to deal with this situation that, that makes sense and doesn't require Vladi Divots to say something to the press about, you know, one of his players going to the
1: media? I, I don't know. There's there's nothing fair about most businesses, but especially basketball. This is as cutthroat an industry as you're gonna see out there. I don't think it I, I think that there's a best practice but at the end of the day, I don't think that the the team is obligated to the player, and I definitely don't think the player is obligated to the team. At so, some point,
0: ant- somebody's got to be obligated because they're getting paid $13.3 million or $8 million or $4 million, which is what, you know, if Rudy and Costa and, and Ben are getting paid this year.
1: I don't think he's obligated to, to say anything that's PC. Uh, I, I mean – at the end of the day, he's got to represent himself well. He's got to represent his city well. He's got to represent the team well. But I, if this is all negotiations. So, I, I mean, if it crosses the line of you know the old Draymond Green Instagram, yeah, that's 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 not good. That's
0: bad. Uh, you but know like what? This I, stuff that is exactly what popped into my head. At what point? <laughs> at what point does Team USA go, dude? This isn't the first thing he's done this summer. You know, it, it, don't punch people, and and don't put your your junk on the internet. I mean, it's it's pretty basic. You're representing your country. I know we're going to Rio where there's going to be chaos and and wild stuff, but still, like, is that too much to ask? At least we're not seeing that, right? The King.
1: mastered the art of saying like, "Oh yeah, 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 that's bad. You know, I'm sorry about that, but let's move on."
0: <laughs> and Demarcus is is over there like,
1: dude.
0: I, they like, literally would would ban me oh, from the league. I would have been kicked off Team USA if if I had uh, uh you know.
1: They like, run stories when when Demarcus Cousins get a compliment from somebody. They go, Team USA Jerry Colangelo complimented Demarcus Cousins on Sunday.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's it. I mean, that's what you're waiting for. It's crazy. Okay, so. I guess let's finish up here with DeMarcus Cousins. And you and I have been discussing how well he's been playing for Team USA. I have to be honest with you, man. To me, like Team USA is likely going to roll through and dominate everyone, although we did go through Spain has a really good team. France has a, a pretty decent team. Um, but DeMarcus, to me, he's such a unique talent that I am willing to call him the X factor for this club. Because I believe that when you look at the Golden State Warriors that Draymond Green is the X factor. That someone is gonna step up and score thirty almost every night. And this year it's even more. I mean, you could have three guys go for thirty in one night in clay yeah. and Steph and K D. But really all no, of no it's,
1: Steph, but Yeah, it, it's, Oh, you're talking for the Warriors, guys. Gotcha. Yeah, for the Warriors.
0: No, no, I but when it comes like when you're looking at the Warriors I think Draymond is the X factor, but when it comes to Team USA, realistically, they have no one else like DeMarcus Cousins. Like, DeAndre Jordan is is not anywhere near in the ballpark of, of what DeMarcus can do, and he's going in, and he's just pounding the glass every single game. He's just dominating. He's figured out the... Uh, Stay down on your feet and then jump up and swap balls off the rim, which I hope doesn't hurt him when he gets, when he starts playing at, uh, with the Kings in training camp, that he's just goaltending everything. But he sure does look to me like the only player on his team that can do what he can do, where that team is filled with shooters and scorers and drivers and just nothing but a huge group of guys that are extremely talented but I am willing to say that I believe that DeMarcus Cousins and it's not because I cover him it's because I look at his game and I've looked at how he's dominated so far through their preliminary stuff he is the x-factor
1: that's why I don't like everybody's like oh don't take the kings again this year you know don't don't give them a lot of wins I look at him and I go, well, God, if he ever just is in a good situation, he's really unstoppable. And that, you know, for the all this stuff we've seen so far is not really fair to look at. But he just moves guys out of the way. He's got an array of moves to do it with. And when you surround it. uh, Yeah. China's terrible. All these teams are terrible. But he's going to do it against everybody else, too. And. So the you're gonna see a lot of looks where it's Demarcus one on one inside and he's just gonna be able to go around him. It's gonna be that simple, and he can go through him if he wants to as well. You have so many shooters. It is, and they're such good ball handlers that I mean, really, they're just moving the ball on a string out there. I think that France or Spain might be able to because but these guys play together more. There's there's a lot more cohesiveness with these squads. Well, France um, has
0: Rudy Gobert. And I, I mean, I like watching Rudy Gobert play, and I think him against Cousins is always interesting. And Spain has Pau uh, Pau Gasol, and him and DeMarcus is always a fun matchup. But
1: well, you're gonna you're gonna dominate both those guys, and that, that's I mean, and that's that the probably their best you know couple players on both squads. Um, France is interesting, you know, Nick Batum can and Tony Parker they can they can move things around pretty well. I don't know, I don't and think they're going to be yeah, close. Yeah, Boris. Yeah, the, the, the strength that where you wonder, can the United States get upset or get even a game out of out of this is they go cold because everybody's being too nice. They're overpassing. You know, they're just not making their shots. And then the other team has played with each other better or pardon me, more. And then they're better as a result of it. That's the only thing that I can see happening. They come out and hit 60 percent of their shots. I, I think I heard Zach Lowe say this on a podcast is They come out, hit 60 percent of their shots and the United States comes out and struggles, hits 30. And they get we get a close half of basketball before they pull away and win by 30. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, watching uh, Cousins against China was just like, oh my gosh. And then when we had him for a media session right afterwards, which is the strangest media thing of all time, you just kind of like line up against a rope and they bring a guy over here or a guy over there and he stops and talks for a second. DeMarcus, first of all, Gave media seven minutes. Everyone else gave him about 45 seconds. And DeMarcus turned around and everyone else was gone. And he's like, what am I still doing here? And, and it was like a funny moment where DeMarcus was actually the guy who was media-friendly. And everyone was shocked. But uh, there was a uh, an Asian reporter who, uh, you know, again, you're playing China. So uh, the Chinese media, they travel a ton of people. They always do. And... She started asking DeMarcus about a specific player, and he just looks at her and, like, and he smiles. He goes, I don't know who you're talking about. (laughs) And she's like, well, you know, he was drafted by the Houston Rockets. He's like, he smiles. He's like, I don't want to be mean, but I don't know who you're talking about. I I don't know,
1: you know, like.
0: And she asks, like, well, what do they need to improve? And he just, like, he just smiles. He's like.
1: His name recognition that's I don't what know what to prove. say to you
0: because that wasn't like what is what do they need to improve on? They need to improve on the fact that they can't play against an n b a player that's what i mean sadly enough, that's what he was trying to say like i I can't give you like a – that guy needs to do this or that because realistically he's not an n b a player I mean Yi Jing Li was right there, right
1: It would be interesting to see why you know like why is he so sour. With the media and and like the sack media, is it really just the encounters with with a few handful of the sack media that haven't really done him right, or is it? Yeah, because he's generally jovial.
0: No, it dates back to Jay Billis like running him, you know, throwing stuff out there from his high school days about him getting in a fight with a with a bus driver or. You know all of these things that have been said about him that are to him have been taken out of context, and he's always said like, "Look, I've never been arrested. I've never done anything that was criminal. You guys, you know, everyone acts like I'm the devil." He's like, "And I, I don't do anything illegal. I don't, you know, I'm not getting, I, I'm not dragging the team." But there, there's always been a misconception about Demarcus, who he is versus what his persona is. He is. He's difficult. I mean, and he he doesn't he doesn't bow down to anyone that walks into the locker room, and he, he doesn't play the game. He doesn't play the game, and he's always said, "I'm gonna do it my way. I'm gonna go. I'm. I am going to go i i do not care what they you know say what? about me. I'm." You gonna can respect
1: that on a certain level. There's, you know, the game is is pretty ugly. You know, you should play the game most of the time, or some of the time at least, just to avoid stuff that Demarcus goes through. <laughs> But, you know, I I can respect that. And I think that's why people can respect him. You know, his teammates respect him as they go. You know what? You're not FOS. You're not sitting here sucking up to everybody. You're not playing that game. And I think that that sets him apart. But he doesn't get credit for that because everything else is, you know, what it is.
0: Well, I think the one thing that I've always – I've even said this to him. I said, while you're going to do it your own way, a 19-year-old DeMarcus Cousins and a 25-year-old DeMarcus Cousins – is not doing it his own way the same way you're gonna grow (laughs) you're gonna learn you're gonna you're gonna do it your your way that's fine but your way as a 19 year old petulant child and your way as a 25 year old who's been just absolutely burned to the ground so many times is going to be different and he's always going to be guarded uh he doesn't you know, the personal stuff he doesn't like talking about. He doesn't like taking credit for any of the stuff that he does outside in the community, which is absolutely incredible. You know, he doesn't go to the press and tell them that he paid for the funeral from the kid from Grant that was killed right before a, a high school football playoff game. He didn't go to the media and tell that was the parents going to the media and telling that was other people going out there and doing that. He didn't want it, he wanted it kept anonymous. And that's just not, he's very different. He's a very different guy. But the guy that we see now at 19, I mean, at 25, and the guy that I saw at 19, again, he's doing it his own way, but it's not the same way that it was. And so his own way has developed and grown just like he has developed and grown as a player. And so I can appreciate some of that. But at the same time, I, I also know that. he's he's a different person he he has grown he has matured and that's what everyone does between 19 and 25 you mature you become more of who you you're going to be
1: that's a crazy thing all these guys are so young and they they mature at a different rate than the rest of the public and i'm i bet when he's 40 he's going to give some great advice because he's going to be able to look kids that are 18 in the eye and be like i totally know where you're at i did that and now let me tell you how i'm going to do it at 40 it's going to be completely different but uh yeah well, I mean, it's a big year for Demarcus. I think he's he's in shape to a certain extent. One game that I thought was fun to play is just spot shadow him on the court and watch how he runs up and down the court. It's not that different than his time with the Kings. So consider you, you know there's not nobody's talking about DeMarcus cousins loafing it right now with team USA. It, it doesn't stand out because they're winning by 50. And you're just not looking for that sort of thing. I thought that was kind of fun because I was really wondering, okay, is there going to be a difference in the way that he runs up and down the floor? And there's really not. And that just could simply be, this is a large man trying to get from one place to the next. And it's, it's not the same as somebody that's like a stretch four or a stretch five turning, you know, getting into that sprinter stance and going down the court. It just doesn't work the same.
0: I agree with you 100%. I have noticed the same exact thing, that he is not leading the break. Every once in a while he's leaking out and he's doing something, you know, but I agree that sometimes they're waiting for him to get down. But then again, he is staying back for every defensive rebound. He is gobbling up every defensive rebound. And as soon as he gets down to the other end, he's just gobbling up every offensive rebound. They just can't – no one can can keep a body on him. Not at, not at the international level, at least not so far. Oh, and, and, and... Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, and knowing an athlete that fought in UFC 47 at the heavyweight uh, weight at 300 plus pounds, it's not that simple. Like, it's not you just run up and down the floor like everybody else. Everything, you have foot problems, back problems, joint problems, and any one thing can send, pardon me, send things into the wrong direction. So I think you have to treat big men, you know, guys the size of Shaq, um, bigger players. I think you have to treat them a little bit differently in the way that you evaluate how they run up and down the court and they, they move laterally and then they hustle and things like that. Yes, some of those issues are hustle issues, but some of that is just from being big. And, and I think you got to give. I thought it was just a fun little experiment to say, you know what, he, he, they're winning by 50. It's Team USA. Nobody's going to criticize this guy right now at all, although everybody's talking about he's in great shape and watch him run. And it looks exactly the same.
0: All right, I I totally agree. Uh, So I'm going to finish. We skipped over one thing, which I want to make sure that we touch base on. That is it. Rudy Gay uh, actually had shockwave treatment done. It's the same exact thing DeMarcus had done on his feet. It's the same thing that Tyreek Evans had done a couple of years on plantar fasciitis, Uh, fasciitis, fasciitis, however you want to say it. Um, Anyway, so Rudy Gay said he's been struggling with micro tears in his Achilles tendon, Uh, for the last two seasons I actually remember it wasn't just two seasons he actually hurt himself in January after he was traded to the Kings he had like a really really nice 20 game start to that to when he was traded and then he went down and missed a couple of games and then he went down at the end of the season and had to sit out because he was hurting Um, so there is a possibility that he will come back healthier than he has been in the last two years, which he's already saying he feels better than he has in a couple of years, um, and, and that a lot of that was can be attributed to Achilles tendonitis, and so I think people should be uh, a little bit mindful of that when they, you know, has he lost a step or was he injured, and he's gotten treatment, so that's one thing that I think we should, you know, kind of play a little bit of wait-and-see, um, I, I don't think last year was a good representation of who Rudy Gay is as a player. I think he got he, he got behind the eight ball in the first week of the season when his wife had issues with childbirth and he was going to the hospital nonstop and not getting very much sleep at all, and it was, it was a trying time. And I think he didn't get a chance to fit in with Rondo and Cousins, and he quickly fell out of the loop. And then it kind of started to snowball on him. And some of that is his fault. Some of that is George Carl's fault. Some of that is the players around him and and their fault. But I think some of it might have also been that he's just, he wasn't as explosive as he has been in the past. And so hopefully he'll be a little bit of a different player when he does get on the court, if that is for the Kings or for anyone else. So keep that in mind. Um, I don't know, Aaron, do you have any final thoughts?
1: No, um, go swimming. I've been taking up swim ever since I almost drowned in the Lake Tahoe. I have taken up swimming, and it's a great exercise.
0: I swim like five nights a week, right off the right off the pontoon
1: boat. It is awesome. I mean, I've never <laughs> felt so in shape. It, it's a really good one. And Go I'll swimming. tell people
0: this, like, just so you don't. Know, I we I have a good friend uh, named Jody Genesee who is a beat writer for the Desiree News, and uh, you can follow. His, uh, his journey with weight gain and weight loss, he has a blog. and Just just find Jody Genesee. He's been on the show before. He's one of my favorite people in the business. He's always got a smile. He's a sweetheart of a guy. But he has uh, the tendency to absolutely blow up during the season, weight-wise. And it's something that a lot of us face, especially as you get older, uh, in this industry that you're working late nights, you're stopping and getting fast food on the way home at 11.30, 12 o'clock at night. Then you're going to bed two hours later because you can't sleep when you get home. And you end up sneaking up in weight. And uh, so when we talk about things like going out and and getting our swim on and stuff like that, it's because really the off-season, I have to drop like 15 pounds every off-season. And some off-seasons it's worse uh, just because it's more travel and it it's crazy but uh, that's why that's why we bring those things up right Aaron
1: yeah I, I well it's funny you mentioned Jody we've me and it and Jody have talked about weight loss and he went on the diet that I've been I was kind of like you, you know you give people advice and, and you don't want to overgive it but um, I, I probably over give it on this one because it's worked so well for me is the the no carbs thing and probably about three, four years ago, right in the middle of the King's relocation saga, which i never slept at all. I was going like two hours sleep a night. That story was just full blast. I got up. I got so high in weight that I don't, the people, when they saw me after the diet, they're like, Whoa, I don't even recognize you. And it's really a lifestyle change. Um, Jody's going through that right now. He's doing really well. So if anybody out there feels like it's hopeless, he's definitely felt that at some point and he's gone. And really turned it around. He's doing really well. Um he started, but yeah. he
0: started the off season at three seventy three. And Jody's probably five foot seven.
1: I think he might have gotten under three bills.
0: He's he's and... under three bills. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was uh like two weeks ago he got under three bills. So yeah, he's plugging away, man. He he's uh you know, he's already I think he's down eighty plus pounds during the off season. It's... He's eating
1: everything that I'm eating, and that's how I know he's doing it right.
0: Yeah. It's a tough it's a tough, tough uh, world that, that you guys don't even that you don't think about. It's like that extra thing that you don't think about. It's that you're, you know, again sleep schedules, everything else are just not great and uh, and, but, so, and anyway. I'll say
1: this, swimming is awesome. That is going to yeah. drop weight for anybody that tries that and uh, increase your strength ridiculously so
0: all right. Well, Good, good
1: luck. Uh, There's your health minute on the, uh, yeah, the Kings got, Insider podcast.
0: We got weird on the end of the Kings Insider podcast about uh, <laughs> about weight loss and our good friend Jody Genesee. So, hey, if, if you do have that issue, go follow Jody. As, uh, he has DJ Jazzy
1: Jody on yeah, Twitter.
0: And he has a great uh, – he has a blog where he writes about sort of the trials and tribulations. You know, try being a beat writer and flying all over the country and not fitting in seats and, you know, sort of the embarrassment of that and, and how difficult it is to sit on a plane and, and all that stuff. So uh, give him a, a follow and uh, follow his story. So, Aaron, that's going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. Sorry we are late, people. I Again, sometimes life gets in the way of a perfectly good plan to podcast. And uh, we, we've got to do what's best for us and our families. And that's just what happened this week. Uh, we will be back. Later this week, I promise we'll figure it out. Well uh, Friday morning Saturday morning podcast. maybe we'll space out a little bit so we're not doing back to back but uh, thank you for tuning in to the CSN Kings Insider podcast for Aaron Bruski. I am James Ham. We'll see you soon.